is magical. Welcome to Magic Monday. I'm Tess Whitehurst, a spiritual author and spiritual teacher. And I'm Natasha Levenger, energy healer, energy reader, and spiritual coach. And this is a podcast about all the ways we experience and use the magic of the universe in our everyday lives. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Welcome, everyone. We're both a little tired today. We haven't, you yeah, know what? Just a little bit sleep deprived. I, re- I know the full moon was like, um, just for us now, we record on Fridays like four days ago, but it was still really bright. I mean, it was bright, yeah. yeah, and it was shining right in my window. Me too. So that probably contributed to, yeah, yeah, to and being it's a like sleep deprived. Yeah, and it's extra close. You know, it's the pink moon, and it was like extra close. It felt like the, yeah, maybe that could be why. What's why? What's happening? And all that, <laughs> all that energy of Beltane too. Yes. So we hope you had a wonderful Beltane. We have not had a Beltane yet. No. Ours is tomorrow. We're talking Yours from is the past. Two days ago. Yep. What did you? Or Samhain. Oh well, you're getting your um, your shot on Beltane. Yeah. We are also using Beltane to have a sweet sixteen party for my cat Greg. Oh, fine. Yeah. Oh, Greg 16. Yes. And we got, I got like banners and cake poppers. <laughs> and we're going to make some cookies. I got some cat shaped cookie cutters. It's going to be a oh, real celebration for Greg. So cute. Yeah, I, I got love him it. a little bandana that said birthday boy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if he wears it. I, I put the hat on Ron and. I'll maybe I'll post it tomorrow. Um, although I should maybe I'll post all the pics tomorrow. On a birthday Instagram. hat. Mm-hmm, birthday hat. He wasn't happy about it, but he wore it. So. <laughs> so do you think Greg will wear the bandana? Is he that kind of cat? I mean, he's you know what he's changed in his old age. Um, he's mm. more willing. Just kind of like he walks around a lot talking. A lot, uh-huh. a lot. Um, so I feel like he might be willing for a minute. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah, I hope so. I would like to see that. <laughs> oh, I'd like yeah. to see a picture of that. Definitely enough for a picture, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to show you Ron's angry face when I have, but he's he put up with it. Anyway, if this is your first time listening, normally this is where we check in for the week to see if the cards that we picked from last week lined up. Yeah, but I do want to mention before, just real quick before we do that, Jay Allen Cross is on the show today. Oh, yeah. So excited. We're really excited to talk to him. We haven't actually done the interview yet. We're yes. going to do it after we record our part today. But uh, I just love his book, American Brujeria. Yeah. Oh, I believe is how it's pronounced. That's nice. I don't think I'll have I to could ask have him if I pronounced it right. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. Uh-huh. I'm really looking forward to talking to this guy about his book and his work. Yeah. It's funny how you said that, talking to this guy. Uh, I am really excited, too. I really, really enjoyed it. Enjoyed the mm-hmm. book. Um, so what cards did we pick last week? 
So last week you drew the Jaguar card from Mystical Shaman Oracle, mm. and I drew Sparkle and Shine from mm. Cosmic Dancer Oracle. What did the Jaguar mean again? It was like boundary setting uh. and letting, like standing up for your truth and letting uh. go of toxic relationships. Uh, Remember how right. it all like lined up with what we were talking about? That's right. What about you? How did you feel about it? I was thinking about that before the podcast, and I don't, I mean, the sparkle <laughs> and shine part, yeah, like shining my light feeling, I feel like that's been a theme for me for a while, is yeah. loving myself more mm-hmm. and feeling comfortable in my skin, and so I can see that part. Yeah. But I don't know, I, I have it. I know we talked about it last week, and I did last week have that meditation where I did like connect with the toxic energy still left over from like the dynamics with my mom some of that and help shift that Mm -hmm. um but I don't know this week I haven't really noticed much with having to set boundaries or anything like that have you well it's interesting you say that because I actually had um I did a trade with our friend Melissa and she gave me a really great tarot reading Mm, yeah so good have you ever gotten one from her before uh i think so oh i really i feel like you remember (laughs) i well i feel like we traded at some point like years ago it was but i mean like years ago okay yeah it was really really good and what came it's interesting because boundaries came up a lot in there and i was like i don't i feel like i have good boundaries but what was reflected in the reading was that they're like internal boundaries. So like oh. finding ways for me to like, for instance, with my phone, like setting those oh, kind yeah. of, like that can even be a toxic relationship, you know? Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> I, I did clear a lot of clutter. I mean, I didn't, oh, yeah, I didn't you did. have a lot of clutter, but I did go through. Do you ever have that where you just want to see all your stuff and make sure you want all of it still? Like every little tiny piece of everything um, that you own? I haven't had that, but I <laughs> admire it. I had that so it wasn't necessarily that I cleared a whole bunch of clutter but I was like I need to know what's in every drawer I had that this week I see yeah well that can be a way I'm also thinking about um well another interesting thing that came up from that reading was this idea of feeling oh like feeling comfortable with ambivalence and being in this place of like I don't have to know exactly like for instance right now I'm considering doing a Patreon but I'm not sure yet what I want like what I want to make sure when I do it that I'm inspired you know I really want to connect to people in the most inspiring way I just don't want to do it just to do it right right but I felt I'm sitting with that and because I'm not sure I kind of just forget it all I'm like I don't know so forget it and what she, what I realized what she was pointing out in this reading was that by that's kind of an old thing from my mom of like if it isn't perfect then it's not Mm. worth it like if it isn't it's so black and white so like if this thing isn't just vibrating (laughs) off the charts for me immediately then I'm not even gonna bother with it oh yeah so that was really interesting for me to be like oh okay wait I it doesn't have to be like fully formed for me to 
consider it like it's I need I need to consider it before it's fully formed you know right yeah so that was something else I don't know it kind of is like a boundaries thing I mean maybe I'm getting fast and loose with that term but a little bit of like boundaries with myself in terms of I don't have to like setting a boundary of I'm not going to dismiss things if they aren't perfect yet you know with with myself yeah, cool. Yeah. So. Because, you know, your relationship to that can change. Like, you could feel different ways. I feel like yes. that is really important. I have that with projects where I'm like, yes. oh, yeah, I really want to do this. And then I'm like, oh, maybe I don't. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, no, really, I do. And then I'm like, <laughs> no, I want to do this other thing. And it is important to be able to be in that space so yes. I can kind of like – investigate exactly you know? yes exactly like being curious about it instead of just like Meh. um I also had like I mean you know I'm still doing this Louise class and I mean oh, yeah. actually I'm not it ended um but it was the last class and um there was this very powerful thing that happened in there I don't know if I need to sh- well I mean I'm <laughs> I want to know Okay, it. okay. So essentially one of the things that I've been, well, I'm going on it. He's doing like kind of like a group therapy thing for the next six weeks um, with people who signed up for it who wanted to do that. And I realized that like part of, um, I have fear around sharing in that kind of environment, like even in the class environment of being like if I – with eye contact, which is weird because I don't have it norm. I don't really have that normally. But like in that kind of setting where it's like we're going to explore what's happening with you, I feel like it's like my mom. Basically, when my mom looked at me, she was looking at me to find what was wrong, you know, like mm. to tear me apart, to like look at me with really often with disgust or ambivalence. It was, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there were other times, <laughs> but, but it really, she had a thing with everybody where she was just like sizing everybody up mm. and it was for her own fear. I'm sure she wasn't comfortable with vulnerability, but anyway, um, so there was this really powerful experience with somebody, I'm not going to name them or their gender just you know, to keep it like, okay, that I'm not revealing anybody. Mm -hmm. But basically, they had the same thing. And they were like, when you're looking at me, I don't like, like, I feel I don't like it. Mm -hmm. And Luis was like, what don't you like? And that person said, it feels intrusive. And I realized, oh, my God, that's exactly how I feel. It feels intrusive. And then Luis Maybe I can get this through this without crying because I've shared it twice before and I cry every time. He was like, why don't I'm going to back up now and you tell me when it feels okay, when that feeling goes down. And he just started to like pull his chair back so that he wasn't so close to the screen. And (laughs) I am going to cry. It was just like the most loving act to me because it was like... You know, because he had unwittingly, like, crossed his boundary. Oh, it is about boundaries. Uh, Like, he had crossed a boundary. He was, like, intrusive. And so he was like, I'm going to go back until you feel the boundary isn't broken. Like, you create Uh, your own boundary here. It just uh, was was just so loving and powerful because it was, like, 
I'm respecting that, you know, right. and I'm going to help you create, you cre- you tell me when you feel okay. Oh, I love that. That is such a beautiful way to heal that yes. feeling instead of like, I feel like so many people would assume that it would be like, okay, well, what's wrong with you then? Like, how can we help you realize something's wrong yes. with you? Or, <laughs> really not- yes, or <laughs> let's just, I'm going to stare at you and you're going to oh, confront yeah. what's going oh. on within you. That was always yeah. my fear. Like, if I talk about that, then he's going to make me like sit there in this, which is fine. I mean, I'm sure that is another way to do it. But but it was just so loving to do it this way to realize it's like it was a boundary break. Like, yeah. like in my case with my mom, she was constant. She was breaking my own boundaries of like getting in my space, you know, yeah. like looking into me basically as a kid to, to, and like broke my what was comfortable for me. Like yeah. it was too close. And so yeah. I just... Uh, it was so beautiful. It is so beautiful. I love that because it is like, I, I, f- I feel like I have felt that, I, I have felt shame a lot around things that make me feel uncomfortable that like supposedly I should be mellow about. Yes, you me too, I mean? so much. Oh my God. <laughs> Especially because my mom was so fucking hyperactive all the time. Not hyperactive, mm. hyper aware hyper vigilant like so i judged her for that and so like for me all i wanted to be was just cool yeah. and like calm like it's all mm-hmm. <coughs> i'm calm i don't care yeah, nothing upsets me i mean yeah. that's a california thing i totally. feel like that's a real california thing which is part of why i felt that i i just feel like growing up i I often felt like, why am I so uptight? Like, why yes. can't I be more cool? Why do I have to wake up early? Why oh, do I care yeah. so much about eating healthy food or whatever? <laughs> whatever, just so many things that would I would get get uncomfortable about, and then I'd be like, what's my problem? I should be more comfortable around that. Like, oh my gosh, this is so. It's so funny we have this in common, and we've never talked about it before. Because like, <laughs> I moved from New York, essentially New York City, where I was going to school, to Palo Alto when I was in seventh grade at and and it was so different in mm-hmm. in new york everyone cared so much about their mm-hmm. grade like working hard and and being yeah. a good student and you know right. the pace like you know in new york yeah. and i felt comfortable there because my mom yeah. was also like that um and then in palo alto it was like what we don't care about good grades <laughs> i know <laughs> yeah yeah well and I also feel like even like my parents' generation being baby boomers that grew up in California and a lot of my teachers, like teachers yeah. and guidance counselors were hit old hippies and stuff. Oh, and I wow. feel like that yeah. generation had some boundary issues. Yes. <laughs> no judgment on you guys, like just for being baby boomers if you're listening. But, um, yeah. but I feel like that was a real kind of cultural like that 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 hippie generation growing up in California kind of passed on shame to me about being uptight yes uptight about anything about uh, sexuality yes. about like my parents would make me feel uncomfortable about <laughs> sexuality oh all God. the time not all the time but sometimes yeah um because it was just such a the style I think to be like oh we're just all so open oh, and nothing wow. worries us this and is, nothing yes this is California <laughs> wound this is a very specific <laughs> trauma 
California trauma, you would have fit in quite well in where I went in New York. Oh, yeah. It's like the opposite of Ted. We talk about this. Like the, uh. It's the opposite of how Ted grew up in the Midwest. Oh, yeah. And I remember meeting him and his band when I lived in L.A. and how they thought I was cool. Like they were like, oh, she's this California girl. Yeah. She wears boots. Oh, my like, God. Like, <laughs> I had boots on a, like a short skirt when they met oh me and I was like gosh. I loved it I was like oh I'm cool around these people they think I'm cool <laughs> oh my god totally and the thing is like I figured out how to I mean not really I guess I got really depressed in high school I was gonna say because I did end up fitting in but just was totally depressed so that's how I was like oh. I don't care about anything I don't care yeah, about yeah. The school but somehow I don't know a lot of people did well in school I lived in Stanford I mean, and people mm-hmm. went to Stanford. You can't just yeah. It was know. just you. You were. It was kind of like you were supposed to hide it. Yes, or yes. Like if you you yeah. were supposed to hide it. You were not mm-hmm. allowed to like be really into school. You were a nerd. If you liked school, you were a nerd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I do remember some cool people having. I mean, I was not a cool person, but I did have good <laughs> grades. <laughs> but I remember some people who were cool supposedly having good grades, but they just didn't. It wasn't like you always heard about them studying or something yeah they kept it under wraps yeah I don't know how they did it that's like a superpower I guess I mean it's probably terribly emotional I mean terrible for them emotionally actually my high school years later became famous for a lot of suicides oh because people were trying so hard it became like the opposite I guess like the 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 pressure to do well in school oh, wow. was so intense Interesting. Yeah, I I did not experience. So maybe that. this is also a Generation X thing. Oh, I bet maybe. it is. Yeah, I maybe it's not just like California. we that Generation X having to be so like way just we just so don't care about yeah, anything. We don't give a <laughs> shit. But then it worked. I really didn't. I did I barely graduated high school. That was probably for other reasons. Anyway, now <laughs> let's move on. Okay. So now let's talk about how much we love goddess provisions. Yeah, let's do that. We really do. By the way, I loved your pendulum workshop last Oh, night. thank you. Can people still, like, can people get the recording or no? Is that not available? Yeah, I haven't put it up yet, but I'm going to today so that you can purchase oh, it. Just good. Just, like, yeah, the recording and the worksheets and stuff. I highly recommend it. And um, I noticed that you were using a goddess provisions pendulum. I was, but with the top broken off. It seems oh. like I break off the top of a lot of my uh, pendulums, and just now I broke this pendu- oh, pendant no. necklace because uh, I was just oh. kind of pulling on it, oh. and it just broke. Oh, wow. Um, but anyway, yes. <laughs> I sorry, was using I'm sleep it too. deprived. I was using it oh, too. you were using the same one. Yeah, um, and it's a really beautiful pendulum, and don't. It's not poorly made, despite Tess somehow breaking it. In fact, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to figure out how you broke it. It's actually it's like very there used well to be made. like a little bead on the top. There's a moon. Right? Oh, there's yeah. A moon. Okay, that's just because she has a tight grip, as we know heard about earlier. You you hold on to things tightly. I'm just kidding. I'm, you said that you, mean you were tight. That I am uptight. Yeah, uptight. <laughs> so you broke that moon right off. <laughs> yeah, I think I was just probably playing with it too much. But I honestly, all my um, pendulums, I have another pendulum that used to be really beautiful. And now it's just tied to a string. Yeah. Because I, I broke it. Yeah. This is a weird goddess anyway, this provisions This is not the point. I'm sorry. This is... <laughs> 
I am blaming sleep deprivation for wandering into breaking pendulums on this. Okay. I have broken a pendulum before, though, but not this one from Goddess Provisions. Anyway, every <laughs> month they send you a box of six to seven full-size things. They're amazing. Like, just sitting here right now, looking at my desk, it's going to be an easy ad sale because I have anointing oil that they sent once, which smells so good, and I just put it on because I like the smell, honestly. Um, there's a beautiful brass lighter container with moons and a rainbow. I mean, you get like crystals, um, incense holders, so many beautiful things. You'll love. If you like this show, you're going to love this box. Yeah, you're going to love it. I also, I have a keychain from them that I oh. love so much. It's just like perfect. Oh. This little rainbow keychain, like rainbow and gold. It just feels right. Oh. So magical. So if you would like to support the show, we get a small commish, small Michael Chiklis every time you do. Uh, no, not uh, maybe the first time that you order through mm-hmm. our link, which is on our webpage web page how old am i <laughs> website <laughs> monday oh gosh we're both tired <laughs> magic monday podcast.com there's a little banner on the side you can click on that you can go to our instagram we have a little link there right in the link tree yeah Mm-hmm. Instagram Magic Monday Podcast. Yeah. And for they're vegan, cruelty free. They plant a tree for every box sold. It's great. So it's thanks. really great. It's very fun. And, and it's cool for gifts too. Yes. Yeah. You can, you know, give stuff away. I feel like in every if there's anything you don't want, someone else will want it in there. Mm, yeah. Um also just want to say that if you would like to sign up for my inner child healing class wait list. You can do that. You can just go to my website, highestlighthealing.com. I'm not sure when I'm going to do it, but probably maybe a summer, fall situation. So get on the list if you want. How many classes are in that? There are four classes in that. Maybe I'll do this class. Oh, that'd be fun. I have heard such amazing things about it from many people. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, I really enjoy it. Um, okay, so should we take some, we are going to be interviewing J. Allen Cross, but first mm-hmm. we are here to take your questions. Yep. So. So the first question oh, yeah. is from Laura, and she says, question for you guys, I'm stuck in an unhealthy thought pattern that creates a lot of anxiety. It has to do with a memory. My guides tell me to stay away from it at the moment, that it's not the time to deal with it, that they can better help me if I don't step in. And for some reason, chances are because I know it's not good for me to go there, I find it very hard to sidetrack my thoughts and leave it aside. As if I had to be completely still and thus couldn't help but want to twitch. I'm using affirmations like it's easy for me to surrender my thoughts to the divine and others like that, but I still feel stuck. I find it similar to negative self-talk in a way. How do you guys manage to sidetrack these thoughts to restore peace? Thanks a bunch for your help. Do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Okay. (laughs) Yes, I do. Well, I think (laughs) it's very intuitive that you hit on it feels like negative self-talk because I would say I was – going to give you the same advice that I'd give if the inner critic was at hand, which it kind of is. When we are perseverating, when our thoughts are going in circles and we can't get out of it, it's very similar to the inner critic berating us. 
So my advice for that is, and actually speaking of inner child healing class, I have a whole module on the inner critic where I go in deeper. But in this case, what I say is the inner critic needs a release. It needs to come out of your head. So I, you, so, you know, it's very hard to just be like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to look at the mm-hmm. elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. Nope, nope, nope. It's not there. My guides told me not to look at it, so I can't look at it. Um, I'm trying, there's, I have so many pieces of advice at once. But the first thing I'd say is just either say it out loud or write it out. Just get, get all those thoughts up. I'm thinking about this. I can't stop thinking about this. This has happened. This is like really, really get it out. Um, And then take a deep breath. If you're saying it and not writing it, switch positions. So if you're like in one chair, switch to another chair. Take a moment. Take in what you just heard and lovingly bring that into your heart. Like, this is really upsetting for you. Just validate what's going on. It really seems like it needs to be integrated into your heart. You know, you're stuck in your head and it needs to be integrated. Um, Having a lot of compassion, like, oh, you really want to go there. You really are feeling this. Um, You can even maybe dig a little deeper, like, what are you feeling? What's coming up for you? And again, get it out. I feel this, switch seats. Put your hand in your heart and give yourself a lot of compassion, validation, whatever comes up from that loving place. Because basically your loving inner parent isn't in the driver's seat in this case. It's the obsessive thoughts, aka inner critic, or the inner child who's feeling really scared, or there's a part of you that is leading the show. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so that is the main thing. And also just to get, if as much as you can, get in the body because you're stuck in the head. So feeling in, where do I feel this in my body? Can I even feel my body? Where is my body? You know, because when we're in our head, we're disembodied. We're yeah. not connected to our whole selves and you just lose so much information. And then the last thing I'll say before you go is white chestnut uh, Bach flower remedy. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. always really great for when our mind is taking over. Yeah, so that's in case you guys don't know about flower essences. It's a holistic or, or homeopathic remedy. It's a little like tincture type of thing that you take under your tongue and you can get it at health food stores. And I'll put a link in the show notes too. Um, but so this reminds me of what I talked about last week sort of mm-hmm. when I was talking about my cult obsession because I I worked with uh, the book that our friend Melissa, who we already mentioned, Melissa <laughs> Tipton mentioned, which is the self-therapy workbook. And that was a way for me to um, get in touch with what is that? What's What are all the pieces of me that are obsessed with this cult situation or um, spiritual leaders that are not in integrity why can I not look away from that and then why do I get and I also felt emotionally disconnected it was like I knew there was something there that I didn't know what it was so I did this process and so that might be a helpful way it's really what Natasha is talking about too of like getting to know the different parts of you like yeah. what are they all saying yeah so it it may be a helpful process for you it's like you start with I think we I talked about this last week mm-hmm. but you start with a trailhead which is for you it's like this obsession that feels uncomfortable mm-hmm. And then, and then you look to see like what part of you shows up. It starts with a protector, like whoever's keeping you from something painful. And then you ask 
that part to step aside once you connect with them and see who's who are they protecting, mm-hmm. what part of you are they protecting, and see who's all there and kind of let them all speak. So that's one thing. And then also, I mean, I'm really just elaborating on what Natasha said. As far as getting into the body, I so agree with that. I've had so much success with healing kind of integrating stuff like that feelings yeah, or thoughts feeling. by moving mm-hmm. so like a moving meditation I've had a lot of success with where I put on music and then I just let my body move however it wants to move mm-hmm. and that at first sometimes makes me cry yeah, because it is this you're learning yeah, that and the, the emotions come, come out that have been yeah, there's shoved like, down yeah, so there's just a tenderness. And I don't always necessarily know why I'm crying. It's just like yeah. there's just this feeling of tenderness. And it also makes me think of this one kundalini exercise that I have done. It's on one of Anabret and Ravi Singh's videos. But it's this, I, I think you could do it with any exercise that is prolonged where there's pain involved. I, in, in this one, you hold your arms out for a long time. And the, your arms oh, start wow. to shake and just feel really painful. Mm-hmm. And then you use that pain. You, How did he phrase it, Ravi Singh, in his video? It was like, use it as a window into your deepest pain mm. or something like that. So whatever's mm. your deepest pain, you like attribute that to the pain in your body mm. when you're exercising. It that, For me, that has been really powerful. Mm. It's like taking up something that's painful and then feeling pain in my body and then kind of equating them and then letting myself cry. Mm. This is part of why I was realizing this is part of why I love exercise so much is because it's a way of cleansing. It's a way of releasing. It's like crying. Like when we're talking about how I love crying. So (laughs) that's that's kind of merging the exercise and the crying. I see. It's funny because, again, doing the somatic healing class, it seems like an easier way, way to do it would be to just feel into like feel into that feel tuning into your body to see where you're holding tension and then what's yeah. the feeling behind that or where is the he would say the charge you know where am I feeling this holding and can I sense into that what's the feeling behind it because when we are obsessing it's also a way of protecting ourselves so I'm Mm -hmm. glad you brought up Mm -hmm. that protector it's like there is a protector there that's like no 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 no. if we just stay stuck in our heads we'll be fine Mm -hmm. then we can handle everything we'll figure everything out I'll be able to you know and that's what's misguided here is actually it doesn't have it's trying to protect you but it's actually keeping you from feeling free but it's trying to protect you from feeling the feelings and going from there. feeling yeah. at all yeah it's like yeah. that that's going to be painful and it is natural for us as humans to want to avoid pain yes it's like it's a helpful evolutionary strategy yes. but emotionally it can get you stuck so then you have to become conscious of like bringing up that pain and letting yourself feel it in your body and actually it's to me way more painful to be stuck in my head than it is to just feel the feelings even if yeah they're and painful. prolonged oh, so like and then it could just go on forever indefinitely yes. until you just go through it and feel the release and the yeah and then the you, pain yes and you also get perspective like 
oh, I can handle this. It moves like, oh, wait a minute. Actually, I don't feel bad about that thing at all. It was just, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so much more clarity. Your body has so much wisdom. Your soul has so much wisdom. Your brain also does have its function, but it's not to figure out problems. Mm -hmm. I really don't think it is. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a part of us, too, tells us that, Oh, if I feel that pain, I'm just going to keep feeling pain forever. I'm never going to stop crying. And it's not really true. It's like you feel the pain and then it moves through. Yeah. And maybe you'll feel it again some other time. But, you know, you'll feel it however much you need to and then it'll wane. That's another protective thought. Like, don't go there because you're going to go there forever. And when I say the brain, I mean, like, sure, it can figure out problems like, you know, like intellectual cerebral problems that's what it's great for answering tests things like that I'm talking about emotional issues yeah I think a lot of the work we do in general like intuition and stuff too it's about integrating our whole way of perceiving and being because we can learn in this culture to kind of just live in our heads which cuts us off from a lot of our experience I mean most of it a large amount. Yes. Very large amount. <laughs> Let's put a percentage on it. <laughs> now. 94? Okay, great. Point <laughs> six. All right. Um, okay, we. I think we should just answer one more question just so we don't okay. go too long. Sorry. And I... then, no, I, I, we okay. both were talking. Um, okay, so this is from last week from uh, Winter. Hi, Tessa Natasha. I'm very interested in lucid dreaming and astral projecting, and I am wondering if you two have any experience or advice in how to begin this practice. I'm also wondering if you can contact people who have passed in a dream or astral projection. I tend to have a hard time turning off my thinking brain, so the hypnagogic... Is that how you say that? Hypnagogic? No, I don't know the answer. (laughs) I don't know why I was pretending like I knew the answer. You were trying. State (laughs) is a good one for me to receive information. Hmm. Yeah. By the way. Wait, what's the last sentence? Say that She's saying she has a hard time turning off her thinking brain. So that like in between state is a good way for her to receive. Mm. Which, by the way, I I learned this last week and I like texted you. I was like, (laughs) that... When from zero to eight, we are in that hip, hypnotic state, hypnagogic state, that <laughs> <laughs> where we're just absorbing, absorbing, absorbing. And then the rest of our life, we're like, okay, I'm done. Think I'm just going to take all my information from that time. And it, it's um. really hard because we shouldn't be doing that, especially if we grew up with caretakers that weren't good to us. And we just like, that's how we figure out how to treat people, how people feel about us, you know, how we interact with the world. So that hypnagogic state is is good for everybody to get into, to reprogram, to figure out, a, you know, how to, to uh, how you really want to interact with the world. All right. Mm-hmm. You answer this question right now. So... Um, so she's asking about how to learn to astral project and do lucid dreaming. She's wondering if right? we have any experience in it and oh, okay. how to begin it, the practice. And part two, can you contact people who have passed in a dream? Okay. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, I, well, 
when I was a little, little girl, like three and four, I had what my family thought was recurring nightmares, but which I now know was me astral projecting every night while I was sleeping. (laughs) Like for, you know how little kids have like recurring nightmares. It was, mine was that I got out of bed and went outside into the night and got lost. And every time I would get lost in my neighborhood, then this train would go down the street with red and green lights and it would go ding, 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 ding. And no one was driving it. It was really like a phantom train. But all different things happen, all number of things. But it was always me getting lost. And it was like my little neighborhood in rural California just extended in all directions in my mind forever. And But I remember even as a little girl, like three years old, thinking, well, it's really scary when that happens, when I get lost at night, but I always end up in my bed in the morning, so it must not really be as scary as I think it is. So I really was, I mean, I really was wandering around, I think, in the neighborhood without my body at night. Wow. And um, so I've had that experience, and then... I did go through a period where I read a book on astral projection. It's probably like 15 years ago, maybe, or 10. And I practiced the exercises in the book. And I never really felt like I was consciously leaving my body while I was awake. But during that time, I did have a lot of dreams where I was flying Mm. and where I was um, conscious that I was dreaming. So hold on. I Were think... you? Hold on. Oh shoot, we can't hear. Hold on. Let me try it one more time. Hypnagogic. Oh, you pronounced it correctly. Did I? Hypnagogic. I don't think I did. Isn't did that I? that wasn't what you were saying? I don't I even thought that was what you were saying. Oh, maybe I did. And it means like being receptive to hypnosis. Is that what it means? It's it's like, that state it... when you are. Um, hmm. Well, this is talking about hypnagogic hallucination. The word hypnagogia is sometimes used in a restricted sense to refer to the onset of sleep. So I think. Oh, so like that in between yeah, space. Yeah, I think so. You're like not awake, but you're not sleeping. Yeah. I see. Um, so, yeah. So during that time, I was doing exercises where I would like be. There are exercises where you close your eyes and you imagine like moving up to the ceiling and then bouncing back down. You kind of like move your consciousness yeah. out of your body. I probably was doing something because it was like every night I had dreams that I was flying mm, during that time. That's cool. So I think you can practice. I can't remember what the name of that book was, but I'll find it and I'll put it in the show notes. Well, I don't know if you know this, but the kids today, aka teenagers, are really into this thing called shifting. Oh, what's that? No, I don't know this at all. It's called reality shifting, where basically oh. it's kind of like this lucid or astral travel, but you go to your DR, your desired reality. So you write up a whole thing about the reality that you want to shift to. And then your body stays and you go there. I don't know. I don't know enough, but there's something about clones. This is big with the kids? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How interesting. Yeah. What interesting kids. I like this generation. <laughs> My older, <laughs> I've had like a couple of teenage clients who have, who are like upset about their shift. Like they can't shift. How do they shift? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'm not laughing at them. It's just like 
funny to me that this is like yeah. the thing and my so mean it's so cute yeah and my older daughter tries to shift all the time she's like mm. i almost shifted mom well so wait how how is it different how would you not succeed at that um how would you not succeed yeah, I mean, are you saying you? It's visual. So they're not able to visualize clearly. No, no, no. Or? They actually go. The idea is, and I don't want to poo-poo it. Maybe this is happening, but they actually <laughs> go to another real. Like, let's say, like we'll take my daughter. She loves this book and movies, The Maze Runner. Mm-hmm. Her dr is to go into the Maze Runner world, where she mm. would be with them. And like okay. that period would last about an hour in our time, but she would be there for like a week of her time in the DR. Like oh. it would feel like a week to her, even though in this reality. So is this big with all the kids or is this big with certain types of kids? Well, great question. Hard for me to know, but apparently it started on TikTok. I don't know. Oh I don't God. know. I just know. That is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know enough about that. I'm like, okay, well, you know, um, you go for it. I hope it happens. So for I you. guess they'll know if it works if they have that experience. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's fascinating. Yeah. So to answer Winter's question, I mean, I I only I remember astral projecting like maybe twice as a kid, like being in the corner of my room and seeing my body. Ooh, interesting. But I haven't had that happen in a very long time, and I haven't tried. So, but I know there are books because, again, my kids have tried to astral project, so and they've, like, looked at it online and stuff like that. I, I don't personally have – I mean, I have some interest, but, um, yeah, not a lot. So that's why I haven't really explored it. Yeah, I think at some point I was kind of like, I don't really need to yeah. do this. Yeah. But it might be really interesting. I mean, yeah. it, if you get really good at it, it you, maybe it would be cool. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, you supposedly can. it enough. You can travel, I guess. Like, that's astral travel. Like, you can go visit people, mm-hmm. I think. Um, as far as people have passed visiting, I mean, people who pass often come to us in our dreams. Yeah, that's definitely true. And mm-hmm. I wonder if, I bet, lucid dreaming, you could consciously, you know, choose, do your best. I mean, I yeah. think it's up to them if they want to come join well, you in your dream. But yeah. you could set that intention at night yes. as you're drifting off to sleep for sure. Yeah, I do that sometimes. Um, and I do want to also dream. say. Go ahead. Oh. I, I do want to also say that yesterday I noticed, I didn't watch it, but I noticed that there's a lucid dreaming show on Netflix. Oh. I think it's a show about sleep and dreams in general, like oh. by Headspace. Oh, yeah. The meditation company. Uh-huh. I think they have a whole series about sleep and that one of the episodes is about lucid dreaming. Oh, okay. I'm sorry we weren't more helpful, but yeah, I mean, you don't have to lucid dream to meet with dead people Mm -hmm. and a lot of times if you know them or it it will feel like oh I really just was with them yeah you will know it's a feeling that you were with them it's like your heart is open it's it feels very significant different than just a normal dream yeah like it'll feel like well it can feel to me like a normal dream but my connection to them feels like oh we had a visit like that was definitely that was really them Yeah. yeah um so, 
yeah oh i will say one thing um oren and Senea, you know the um the uh well i think it's called now oren.ben.com um the Senea roman who writes those books um mm-hmm. that they're like my favorite spiritual books anyway she has a t- <laughs> i was gonna say a tape because when i was 19 i listened to a cassette tape of lucid dreaming now it's a download um and it really was like wh- it worked mm. like i felt so heavy like i was like Ugh! like it was really intense like hard to get up is what i mean um so you may want to try like a guided lucid dreaming kind of thing oh yeah before you go to bed all right well we'll answer the rest of your questions next week or some more of them i should say and um if you would like to ask us a question you can call us at 828-333-7181 Eight two eight three 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 seven one eight one, or you can go to Magic Monday Podcast and click on Ask a Question. We love answering questions. Oh, we also didn't mention um, that if you can review us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere, we really appreciate it. It helps people to find our podcast, and we really appreciate all of you. We've gotten some really nice reviews lately. I mean, in general, most of them yeah. are nice, except for that one. <laughs> well, there are a few that are not nice. I think there's only two written ones that aren't nice. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, they're very not nice. Very though. not nice. They felt so <laughs> compelled. They were like, this is, and it was all directed at Tess. <laughs> <laughs> only because they have a preconceived notion of what she should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to leave a test related review about how much you love her, <laughs> you know what? You can add me in there too. You know, it doesn't have to only be one of us. Um, we would appreciate it is my point. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, okay. So now it's time for us to talk to J. Ellen Cross. So J. Ellen Cross is a practicing witch of Mexican, Native American, and European descent whose craft was shaped by his Catholic upbringing and mixed family culture. Living in his home state of Oregon, he works as a psychic medium and occult specialist for a well-known paranormal investigation team out of the Portland metro area. When he's not investigating, he enjoys providing spells and potions to his local community, exploring haunted and abandoned places, working as a consultant for other workers and investigators, and of course, writing about witchcraft. Here's that interview. We are so excited and happy to be here with Jay Allen Cross. Jay, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me here. Yes, I love, we both loved your book so Love much. your book. Love, love, yeah. love it. <laughs> thank yes. you. Um, and I, we, really want to get into it but first I just when um Tess sent me your bio I was like what I have to know more about this so about the um what do you say in the bio that you do you paranormal investigation yes what do you do (laughs) so I I've been doing this for a really long time I started doing it kind of by myself um when I was in high school I was about 15 16 when I when I started doing this um and what is this? Uh, just kind of paranormal investigative work. What what I specialize in is something, some people call it like rescue mediumship. Um, basically okay. my job surround is 
kind of centered around fixing haunted homes. So oh. a lot of times when it comes to paranormal investigation, um, the kind of paranormal team is there to take a bunch of photos, but not really do anything. Oh. Um, I'm kind of on the other end of the spectrum where I, I don't really care to take photos or do like, you know, meter readings or anything like that. I'm there to figure out what's happening and kind of fix it. Um, on the team that I serve on now, I serve as psychic medium and occult specialist. Um, mm. And I kind of deal with the more violent hauntings that we come across. So mm. anytime my team is like hey it sounds like satan's in the basement so we're gonna send <laughs> joshua to go deal with that one and i'm like great i'm on it <laughs> that's so, so awesome yeah so what do you do do you help the spirits like escort them to the light or do you how is it any number of things that you may need to do it's it's always um, a wild a wild roulette on that because we always yeah. show up um, having no information. We're just given an address, mm. and we just show up, um, and then we kind of go through do a reading. I'm normally working in tandem with several other psychics on the team. Um, oh. Our our team is unique in the way that it's actually mostly psychics on oh. the team, whereas normally it's a lot of investigators and maybe one psychic. Um, ours is kind of the reverse of that. So mm. we walk around kind of silently, we gather what we think is happening, and then we sit down and we do the reveal, which is really interesting because normally the psychics haven't spoken to one another when we sit down with the client and go, this is what's happening. Oh. And it's amazing to see how it all lines up really yeah. well, or we'll yeah. get kind of each a puzzle piece that completes the larger picture as well. And so once we kind of figure out what's happening in there, then we make a plan and we fix it. And we're, we are get in, get out. We will show up at your house and be gone in three or four hours and be completely mm -hmm. finished um, mm -hmm. most of the time. Um, so it's, it's a lot of working with um, earthbound spirits, which are um, like human mm -hmm. spirits that are stuck here on our side and haven't gone um, over to the side like they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of escorting them through the light. It's a mm -hmm. lot of giving very stern talkings to, to inhuman <laughs> spirits that have decided to do one thing or another. Um, mm. It's a lot of, um, it's, it's a lot of cleansing work and it's, it's a lot of smoke. It's a lot of smoke. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> I just realized so that I'm wearing my perfect shirt for today. You can't see. It says someday we'll all be dead. Aww, <laughs> it's got a yeah. rainbow on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like we, I, I can just imagine our listeners wanting to hear a story from, from the field. <laughs> so can you tell us a story from something that has happened to you while you've been working? Oh gosh. Um, oh, the, how strong of a constitution do your listeners have? Cause I, my, my particular area is with the nasty stuff. So it, oh, it gets a little it. gnarly. They want to hear it. I can yeah. sense it. I can yeah. feel they want to hear <laughs> all of it. Because okay, usually There's... when I tell, cause I work, you know, people will come to me one-on-one. -on -one. I don't work in houses usually. And like, mm -hmm. I will encounter a lot of aliens or things mm -hmm. like that. And everyone's been very reasonable with me. Like I usually it's just like, you know, you're just not in the, please leave. Like they don't want you here. Thanks, but no thanks. And then they go. It's like never drama really. Yeah. That would be so nice. Oh, I want to hear a drama story. Then. Um, okay. So there's, 
Um, okay, so there's this one, this is one I don't tell very often. Um, we were called to a home in, uh, we'll just say lower Washington, uh, because it's, <laughs> okay. it's uh, we're, we're just gonna, for secrecy's sake, uh, confidentiality, <laughs> we're just gonna say it's, it's in lower Washington. Okay. Um, and this, this guy had built this beautiful home in the middle of a wooded area. And in order to build the house, he had to cut down quite a bit of trees in order to make room for it and then do the mm. landscaping on it and everything like that, which forest spirits do not like. Mm. Um, and we were given a bit of a heads up before heading out to this one, because if it's something that seems um, seems dangerous or, or something where my team is like, you know what, if you want to sit this one out, you can. They kind of give oh. us a little bit of a heads up. Wow. Um, and one of the, the part of the heads up came with a photo that the client had taken. And what the photo was, it, it's, it was very hard to tell, but essentially what it looked like and what we kind of seemed, what it seemed like is that something had come up onto his porch and thrown up a belly full of blood and other things. Oh no. (laughs) And what the photo was, was like, there was like a very definite piece in this pool of blood. It looked like a very small kind of skinned animal is what it looked like. It looked very intentional because it wasn't just somewhere on his porch. He had a big wraparound porch. It was like directly in front (laughs) of his front door. Whoa. And the photo was taken several like it, it was taken like the day before he emailed us and then we weren't able to actually get out there for about another week. By the time we got there, um, he had already kind of picked up the the thing and thrown it away, but the blood was still there and it was still fresh. And it was the middle of summer and it was just blazing hot. So it should have been black and crusty and dried oh. up after a week. It was still completely fresh and untouched, which... Um, depending on kind of who you ask in the paranormal community is not a good sign because some things will try to either sort of mimic things like, you know, um, saints being what we call incorrupt, which is after they die, they don't decay. Oh, Um, right, right. Sort of the opposite of that. They'll they'll sort of do that in order to display similar powers, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But it it was very unsettling. Mm -hmm. And talking with this man about the, um, the, things he had been seeing. He had come across in broad daylight, um, very large um, kind of what he described was like a Bigfoot type creature, but made out of shadow with red eyes. Oh my um, That would just kind of appear on his property in broad daylight. Um, it was so large that his nephew who would come and stay with him uh, a lot, who was a, a very, oh no, it was his grandson, I think. Um, he was like seven or eight or something like that. His room was on the second floor and he would wake up screaming because it was looking in the window at him oh, at night. What the heck was it? I just very, very unhappy forest spirits. And so of course I'm the one that they're like, cool. So we're going to like, there was a bunch of stuff happening in that house as far as there were several ghosts and things like that too. So they're like, we're going to, you know, hang out this house. How were there already ghosts? Because they were upset that he built it because they were forest spirits that but the ghosts weren't for oh ghosts yeah, oh the there ghosts were ghosts people oh okay. ghosts sorry. Come from all over the place <laughs> come on it's not okay sorry i missed i somehow i like, <laughs> i knew there was a jump from the forest spirit <laughs> there, was, 
Right. So it's not uncommon for houses to have multiple layers of hauntings, especially by the time that you're calling a team like ours. There's generally a few things happening but, at once. But so hold on. Even a new house would have an, like, just an old spirit was like, oh, hey. Oh, yeah. You'd be surprised. The bulk of the homes that we get surprised. called to are like... Um, brand new developments like shiny pretty new like just built exactly exactly Mm. so we get we get a lot of calls from there just because honestly spirits they wander around and it's really not uncommon for me to be in someone's home and being like um like did somebody like hang themselves in this house Mm. I'm describing this person I'm describing what I'm Mm. seeing and they're like no but that happened to like my neighbor three doors down and I'm like Uh, okay well they're hanging out in your house now uh, (laughs) just because sometimes they want company yeah and they just aren't ready like they haven't been ushered to the light they didn't get good help to mm-hmm. move on so how what did you do in that house yeah. how did you was it smoke cleansing and uh like we did a lot of smoke cleansing it was a lot of talking <laughs> with the spirits um it was uh, a lot of and of, of course they're like okay we're gonna hang out with the ghosts in here and fix that um how about you go out into the woods and i'm like great cool i'm gonna go do that mm-hmm. um so we we kind of talked them through kind of giving offerings to the land um kind of making amends with it things like that um, and that definitely did seem to help as well wow. it did so did the four spirits they were like okay fine you can stay Oops, sorry, I bled all over your front door. <laughs> sorry, I did the nasty thing. Uh, they, they didn't have many issues after that. Okay. Sometimes certain places are just kind of more prone to activity. So there's you can't necessarily always like prevent anything from happening in a place after you leave, especially uh-huh. kind of depending on their location. In the area where they built the house is a very haunted location of Washington, um, where we actually get a lot of calls to that oh, area. Um, so it's it's not uncommon to have a lot you know, of that happen. And like, I wouldn't ever want to fuck with forest spirits, but I especially would not want to fuck with forest spirits in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, no. Yeah, no. absolutely. Definitely <laughs> not. It's so interesting. We're talking about this right now because I just have started connecting to like oh I haven't connected with the spirits on our land like we Mm. have two acres and I just started actually doing this class with Christopher Penzak about where like the how he was teaching about how there's dragon lines in every on all the every land and so Mm -hmm. I was preparing to like go meditate on a dragon line and like and I want to um yeah also know the spirits Mm -hmm. better do you have any um and we will get to your great book but yeah I really want to talk about the book Uh, I just want you here again already (laughs) (laughs) but do you have any tips for connecting to the spirits of the land like do you connect to the spirits on your property like on your in your backyard or something uh, yeah, when when I do have a backyard, I like to at the moment. Oh, I don't, you don't. So it's a little harder, but um, okay. But I I definitely do recommend it. Um, something that I think gets lost a lot when it comes to this practice is deep listening. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times we're there to do the ritual. We're there to burn the things and say yeah. the prayers and do kind of our part in it. Yeah. Um, that we forget then to 
sit and be still and be yeah. quiet yeah, and let yeah. other things kind yeah. of come through. Um, because a lot of times we get we get bored after we we do the ritual part, which is the fun part or the Instagrammable <laughs> part, right? Um, but then when it actually comes to actually sitting and, and listening, yeah. um, I think that that's the most important part. And remember yeah. too, it doesn't necessarily have to be ritualistic. It can be right. picking up trash. Where yeah, we, yeah um, that's nice. And yeah. it doesn't have to be like, you know, burnt tobacco or whatever. You know, you can yeah. sing a song, yeah. right. you know, whatever. That's nice. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking about doing that exact thing. Just sitting and meditating and being like, okay, do you want to say anything or like, mm-hmm. how can I help? Is there anything that we can do to make, you know, mm-hmm. like that yeah. kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. I and love I like that advice. Set, I like to sort of set my energy kind of vibration to, to gratitude when I'm doing that, because then That's I like nice. gratitude to the land for being there, for yes. you know, providing things like that. That tends to sort of open that line of communication a lot better. Yeah, this reminds me so much of when I uh, wrote The Magic of Flowers and I connected with flowers. It was like always I would start with like, oh, this flower is beautiful. Mm -hmm. This flower is like just really appreciating the color and the light. Mm -hmm. And and then that would open up like a channel of information. There's just so much there from just listening. I just love that for nature, communication and presence. So, okay. So your book. So I am really excited because um, part of why I'm excited to talk to you about it is because I was baptized Catholic. My parents were Catholic and I lately just more and more have been like, wow, I really connect with the magic of Catholicism. Now that I feel like I I just feel less of that wound of um, religion growing up, my mom then became Baptist and there was just a lot of weirdness connected with it. And now that I'm not afraid of being possessed anymore, that was a big problem too. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I feel a lot of connection to a lot of the Catholic magic and that's a huge, huge part of your practice. Yeah, you made it really, feel I've never thought of Catholicism as magic or prayers as spells and I love how you talk about that in here how so can you tell us a little more about that absolutely so I grew up Catholic I was an altar boy um, which was kind of my introduction to magic Um, you know it's I'm standing up there in robes next to some guy who's chanting in Latin and burning incense and lighting candles and yeah. serving up flesh and blood on an altar. <laughs> it was all very occult. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'm looking around at my Catholic upbringing and people are lighting candles and asking for things. And then when I decided that, you know, I hate Catholicism, I'm running away from it and I'm becoming a witch and all this stuff, then I go over to Witchland and we're lighting candles and asking for yeah. stuff. And I'm like, yeah. Like, so this isn't too much of a leap between these two things. <laughs> yeah. And especially growing up kind of, you know, Mexican Catholic, there's there's a very different, um, very different vibe between going to like a Spanish mass and going to like your normal, like mainstream American Catholic mass. Mm. Those are very different. Mm. You can feel it in the air because people who are from these Latin American countries, particularly like Mexico, which is what I'm talking about in the book so much, um, have this intense belief and this intense belief is this massive anchor that kind of pulls Mm. down the holy spirit and this energy into the space yeah um this this really um deep need 
for connection with it because mm-hmm. in our culture, God, the Holy Spirit, the saints, these are kind of sometimes the only thing saving you from utter disaster because yes. we have nothing else, you know, to, to lean back on. Uh, so yeah. it kind of has to work. Yeah. Um, so I kind of started doing this work, you know, several years ago. And it's funny, I talk about this in the book a little bit, that this type of work, this American brujería that I'm talking about, really just kind of finds its way into the hands of, you know, Latinx youth right now. A lot of us are kind of realizing like, oh yeah, I've just kind of started doing it. And I didn't really even realize it, you know, like the Novena candles came out, you know, suddenly I kind of acquired a Guadalupe statue at some point, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it just mm-hmm. kind of, we're, it's all just kind of sort of showing up for us. And, and that's something that um, definitely happened for me and was something that I, I found was very common among us. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, I really love in the beginning how you were talking about, um, well, just that piece about feeling like, I you are going to say better than I will, but like being a part of it, but like being not neither, but not of it, but not it. At like the an in-between time. space. Yeah, and yeah. I really related to that because I am Jewish, but I was raised... Uh, I was baptized actually (laughs) and um, raised with Christianity. And like, I didn't really realize till late till I was 20 that I was Jewish. And so like, Mm -hmm. I still feel that kind of like, like I was raised culturally, but no one pointed it out that I was Mm -hmm. Jewish, you know, that that was Judaism. So it 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 reminded me of that feeling of like being in between like it, but not it. Um, Yeah. Can you talk about your experience of that a little bit? You, Certainly. So there is, it's, I always kind of flash back to, there's that scene in Selena where her dad is yelling (laughs) about, you know, you, in order for us to be, you know, valid, we have to be more Mexican than the Mexicans and more American than the Americans. Uh, Because it's true when, when you're mixed race and, and, you know, this kind of goes for all mixed people, but, you know, I'm speaking for kind of Mexican American specifically, Yeah. you know, you, you go to hang out with the white American people and you're too brown. You don't fit yeah. in, like, you know, you get called names, whatever. Mm. So then you go across, you know, and you go to hang out with the Mexican people and they're like, you're not one of us. Mm. What are you doing over here? Yeah. I and mean, so, you said your mom didn't even speak Spanish. Is that true? It's true. That, yeah. 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 yeah, and a lot of people, the speaking Spanish thing is a very sort of touchy subject for a lot of people in the Mexican American um, community, because I, a lot of us want to speak Spanish. A lot of us would love to grow up bilingual, but a lot of us didn't because our ancestors made the decision for us. Hmm. A lot of times when people immigrate to the United States, they try to fit in as much as possible, right. especially in our grandparents' generation. You know, people who are immigrating to the United States wanted to be seen as nothing else but American because in that generation, we're also dealing with things like Japanese internment camps where they're taking all of the Japanese uh, immigrants and putting them Mm. in in prisons, all this stuff. And so in in that time period, it was like, nope, no Spanish, no Mexican culture. We are all American and and that is it. But that is not a choice that we made for ourselves. And so a lot of people don't realize what a privilege it is to grow up speaking two languages. Mm, And those of us who were sort of robbed of that or had somebody else make that decision for us, it's very difficult for us to then reclaim it as adults because it's not as easy to learn a language as an adult as it right. would be as a child growing up. Yeah. Um, and so we have yeah. accents and things like that. And it, it creates a lot of drama kind of in between yeah. us. 
Yeah. yeah it's int- my husband was just mentioning to me, cause I was talking to him about this, that, um, like when we were growing up the, and maybe it's still this way, the history books, it was like assimilation was supposedly a good thing. Like we were taught like, Oh good. Everybody's assimilating. Like as if that's good, you know, that the, it's yeah. So messed up. Yeah. But I liked how I like the comparison that you drew to the liminal space because I love that. I love that mm. aspect of paganism, the power of of like a doorway or the mm. sunset or the sunrise or all the Sabbaths are some sort of sort of portal. And that is kind of being in that in-between space. It's like a powerful space to be in a lot of ways because you are in two worlds. Absolutely. And I, I kind of liken it a little bit to being a cr- at a crossroads or, or yeah, being a yes. crossroads itself in the book, yes. because, you know, when you're both Mexican and you are American, it's like, well, which one are you? Well, I'm both. And yet at the same time, I am neither. Yeah. And so it's this, it's a liminal space. And we know from magical practice that liminal spaces are potent magical yeah. places where yeah, we can connect true. with spirit and kind of be a bridge and so really kind of understanding that being in between being mixed is not actually a curse in fact it is a huge piece of power yeah. that we can draw from yeah. um, kind of drawing from two di- directions at once is so important and something that we should really embrace a lot of times we try to either shun one part or the other and try and just become one side or the other but it's it's more about kind of claiming where you are in between as that being okay it's okay to be half and half or whatever yeah and then i think it does give you extra magical power because then you have practice with going into different realities absolutely yes okay so oh go ahead Natasha okay Okay, so I am really I want I would love for you to talk about this ritual that you have about blessing the Saint Michael medal (laughs) because (laughs) it involves fire and Florida water I just loved it like oh that (laughs) sounds fun can you describe that blessing Absolutely. So um, one of the reasons why I wanted to utilize a fire in it is because St. Michael the Archangel is known very much to be associated with the element of fire. Um, You know, his colors are like red and blue and white and all these colors that are very um, kind of fire centric. And his presence is very, very bright and very hot. Um, And so we I, I always like to incorporate that into this work and and blessing things with fire is very common in folk magic um mm-hmm. especially when it comes to saint michael so um a lot of times when we're working with railroad spikes we will bless those with fire um in the name of saint michael for protection yeah. and so that's kind of one of the things that i brought into this idea um and so through the blessing I'd have to look at the book specifically, but for the specifics, but, yeah, yeah, for the specifics. But through, through the blessings, what we're doing is is we are are utilizing Florida water as as an agent, as a flammable agent, um, and then essentially lighting the metal on fire to bless it with fire in His name. And fire is something that comes up so many times in the Bible. I'm actually reading it cover to cover right oh, now, you which are. is a bit of a journey for me. But it already, yeah. I'm not sure I'm reading the same Bible as everyone else because it's real witchy to me. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's so many references to fire in the Bible, whether it's the burning bush or, you know, the, the Holy Spirit comes down upon people in fire or, um, you know, it's just something that that's brought up over and over again. And so that's something that I wanted to really incorporate into it. Yeah, it's so powerful. It's that's my when people ask me about protection magic, it's I always am just like my Archangel Michael, you yeah. know, that's just go to for me. 
Um, there's so I learned so much from reading this book, and I want you to talk a little bit about. I love how you talked about appropriation in the beginning. Um, I feel like I don't know the way you said it, just was so perfect. Um, is it made me feel like you know as like a white person, a lot of times I'm like, I don't want to do anything wrong. You know, I don't want to appropriate anything. And it really, you said it so clearly in a way where it was like, oh yeah. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but it felt like it was like, as long as you're really acknowledging it, giving thanks, being respectful, like really doing this with an open heart, understanding that you're where it's coming from, then do all of it. (laughs) Like it's all there for you. Is that how do you feel about how I said that? I definitely wanted to kind of put that section into the book because I, I knew kind of right off the bat that for marketing purposes, you know, that my publisher would really want me to say, this is for everybody, you know, no matter uh, what yeah. and all that stuff. And so I knew I was going to have to kind of say that at some point, but I wanted to kind of say like, yes, however, yeah, <laughs> um, and then sort of go into a, a guide for it. Um mm-hmm. Because truly, there's nothing I can do to stop anybody from utilizing this magic. They're going to do what, what they're going to do. But what, what mm-hmm. I wanted people to do was at least sort of stop and examine it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and when we're going to utilize the magic from someone else's culture, we have to ask ourselves some questions. We have to ask ourselves, first of all, why? You know, mm-hmm. why why this culture? Why, why am I not practicing something from my culture? Why am I choosing someone else's? Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, you also have to examine what is my relationship like with the people that this comes from? Um, I've been obsessed with a Queen Co. Meadows quote uh, from Contra South lately, which is, you cannot practice folk magic if you don't know the folk. Mm, (laughs) And that is true because people like to show up and just go like, oh yeah, whatever, I don't care. Give me the spells. Right. That's immediately oh, yeah. where they go yeah. wrong because there's no context <laughs> for the spells, how they're supposed to be used, why we're using the things we're using. Yeah. And so I, I want people to kind of um, examine their relationship with Mexican people. You know, are, are we caring for Mexican people with our words and our votes and mm-hmm. how we're spending our money? Yeah. And if we're not, what steps do we take to then fix that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as much as I'm I'm, I'm currently having a bit of a love-hate relationship with the cultural appropriation talk mm. on, on kind of the interwebs right now, because number one, I'm very glad that we're having the conversation. Yeah. I think it's important to talk about and kind of work through. However, it's, it's gone from kind of, hey, let's be sensitive to other cultures to kind of like nationalism and racial purity, which is very scary. Yeah. Um, I, I've had people like contact me and be like, Oh, like I'm, I'm so sorry that I can never have a margarita ever again because those mm. come from Mexico and I'm not Mexican. And I'm oh, like, wait, no. hold up, no. hold up. No. Or I have people too messaging me that are like, I'm only 80% Mexican. Am I allowed to even be in the oh. presence of your book? And I'm like, oh. yes, you are. Like, first yeah. of all, let's, we have to stop letting strangers on the internet dictate our lives. And <laughs> right. we also need to kind of get a handle on our understanding of cultural appropriation because cultural appropriation is not the same thing as having contact or learning about another right. culture. Yeah. Um, I've had a lot of people online tell other people that they can't buy my book because they're not Mexican enough. And that's very heartbreaking for me. But in, in the book, I break down cultural appropriation to three basic questions to ask yourself. And the first one is simply, does this make me money? Right. Mm-hmm. If we're making a profit off of somebody else's culture, we, we might want to rethink it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there are of course nuances to that. Um, I said that once and everyone who owned an occult bookstore just freaked out and mm. just, <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking oh, about like, right, you know, right. like, you know, if, if you own an occult, you know, metaphysical shop or whatever, and you have a well-rounded, you know, supplies, that's great. People need those things. But yeah. as far as opening up a dream catcher store on Etsy, like that's, that's, when, that's not something that we're, that we're, right. we're going towards. Yeah. Um, if you're the, white. Yeah, if, 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 we're, if we're not of that kind of community. Yeah. The second question is, is does it take up space, right? Are, are we taking up space? Are we taking up opportunities mm. from people? So that's, you know, speaking engagements on a topic, that's writing books on certain topics that we're not part of the culture. Um, but that's also things like, you know, um, attending certain activities. Something that's really common for us as Native Americans right now is going to things like sweat lodges and being the only Native American person there, including the person leading the sweat lodge, Yeah. Um, which can very quickly make people feel unwelcome in their own cultures, which yeah. is a very odd sensation to yeah. kind of go through. Right. Um, and then the third question is, is does it erase culture? Um, and that's something that is a little bit more difficult for people because they don't see it as that a lot of the time. Um, and kind of one of the, the examples I like to give is um, like right now, Santeria is very big, you know, everyone's very into it. You know, Beyonce wore a yellow dress in a music video and now everybody's a child of ocean. Um, <laughs> so when we go into Santeria, there is protocol right? There are divinations that need to be done. There is training, there is initiations before we even get to any of that stuff. However, people are like, well, that's too much time. I don't know anyone around me who does that. So I'm just going to skip it. I'm going to do a tarot reading and find out that Oshun is my head spirit and start lighting candles to them. And I'm like, that is not how any of this works. Yeah. And you just yeah. pushed aside thousands of years of culture and tradition to just skip to the fun part. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's something that I want people to not be doing. Right. Which is not to say like you can't still be interested and inspired yeah. by Ocean. Like you could be like, oh, that that's really interesting. I feel like there's something in that for me just from learning about it. But right. to or like jump like, ahead. With her in it and like all that stuff. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. But just to jump ahead with the tradition Mm -hmm. is not the same as that so um I just want to oh. say it reminds me a little bit of what you were saying before about like the forest spirits in some way it's like listening. whatever yeah exactly yeah. listening yeah. and making sure before you like mow down the land and build a house there totally. that you asked like what's happened yeah it's like the same thing yeah, yeah. totally so um so I want to ask, or I want to talk about this quote that is in your book. La Dolorosa is a fearsome and powerful dark aspect of Mary. She is, is an incredible, incredibly protective. I'm sorry. She is incredibly protective and teaches us that through suffering, we may appreciate the beauty of life. Now, the reason I want to talk about that quote is because that is something I've picked up on in Catholicism and being a sort of an outsider, you know, it's like my parents took me to Catholic church. I, I, my relatives were Catholic, but then I didn't go after the age of, you know, five or six, but I, it's like in my family that, that suffer through suffering, we may appreciate the beauty of life. And it's also something that I have a saint that I really have a relationship with St. Teresa of Lisieux. And she definitely, 
she really took that to heart. The suffering <laughs> helps us appreciate the beauty of life. And it's like, there's something about it that I resonate with, but then there's something about it that, I mean, was really kind of twisted, uh, at least on my mm -hmm. mom's side of the family. So I wonder if you have any insight into that aspect of Catholicism, just because I'm, I'm fascinated by it and I'm sort of confused by it. <laughs> the fact that we're all just raging masochists. I love it. Um, <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> uh, so... Suffering is a big thing in Catholicism, and it's it's one of my sort of least favorite things. However, at the same time, it's something that I think is really missing from modern spirituality that I think really needs to be brought in. Because mm. right now in modern spirituality, especially in the magical community, mm. um, no one wants to be uncomfortable at all. Mm. No one wants to give up something. No one wants to put in any work. Nobody wants to break a sweat. Mm. And when it comes to these things that we're asking for, we have to be willing to work for them. We have to be willing to show how badly we want them. Mm. And I, I, I got into some trouble uh, not that long ago on social media by suggesting that um, magic and witchcraft requires effort. Um, <laughs> that it was, it was a big, there was a big blow up. People really? weren't ready really? for it. <laughs> yes, I was called all kinds of names. Oh my. Um, but so the, the I think is, something is, that... is going on on TikTok that I just can't comprehend because I couldn't, I, I couldn't hang on TikTok. But when I hear things about it, I'm like, what? What is, is happening? <laughs> is that, was it on TikTok that this happened? Uh, no, it wasn't on TikTok. Oh, it wasn't. I, I think it was on Instagram. Oh, okay. It, it was a few months ago, but um. But yeah, so there's this, this idea that we should just be handed everything that we want without ah. having to do anything at all. And I, I think that, that we need to kind of be more in relation with spirit in that instead of just, you know, seeing it as an ATM machine that's constantly spilling mm. out towards us mm -hmm. to be able to do things towards them that we may not always like or, or may not always just like enjoy fully or don't benefit us. So mm. something that I've been doing recently is I've been praying the rosary. Yeah. And the rosary takes some time. Yeah. You have to sit down and you have to repeat. You have to memorize prayers first. Um, and then you have to repeat them in order and also remain focused and go through it. It's a bit of a drudge to go through the entire thing. However, me being willing to go out of my way to do something that I don't necessarily enjoy, but shows to the spirits that I work with, that I'm dedicated to them, yeah. that I'm devoted to them, that I'm willing to go through the steps in order to make them feel seen is really important. And, and it's you're something putting that energy into it. You're yes. putting that energy in that focus and that time. And so of course that is going to you yeah. know, have an energetic effect and spiritual. Yeah, it's like building the relationship. Yeah. And it also makes me think about shadow work. I know it's like, not necessarily like you're not, well, it's not the same thing in terms of giving to spirit, but in a way it is, it's like, I'm willing to go through this hard stuff and look at this hard stuff in order to expand. Yeah. My to life. be uncomfortable and right. to suffer, to go through that suffering yeah. and that pain. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. Have you ever had, cause like, I think back to when I was a kid and like observing my mom's family, my mom and stuff. 
I did really romanticize suffering. Mm -hmm. Like I remember really wanting to be injured or sick. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just loved, I just loved the idea. And it seemed very natural to me to love <laughs> the idea of being injured or sick. And I feel like that is so Catholic. It's very Catholic. Isn't We're it? really into that. Yeah. I don't feel like it's not Jewish, though. Oh, either. really? I mean, Jews. Yeah. There's, like you have we some like, of that. We wouldn't say we like to suffer, but there's a lot of uh, like, <laughs> like getting in, oh, like yeah. you know, like feeling the suffering. Yeah, and, but like, it was like, like I remember. I don't know. There was something about like. I had this idea like, oh, I'm going to be wearing a white nightgown and I'm going to be in bed and I'm going to be sick and everybody's going to come and they're going to feel so sad for me. And like, it was, like it would be like being a movie star or something like that oh was kind God. of this kind of concept funny. that I just absorbed being a kid. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? It's very common. Yeah, I feel it. <laughs> what is up with that? You know, I am, it's, it's, I feel like it all kind of comes down to Catholic doctrine. Cause like, you know, in, in Catholicism, you know, one of the things that sets us apart from all the other kind of Christianities is, is in Catholicism, it's not a question of if you're going to hell, it's for how long. <laughs> uh, that's kind of the thing. And so we feel like maybe if we suffer here, then we won't have to suffer there mm, yeah. so much. Oh, yeah, that um, makes sense. And a lot of the things that are supposed to make us happy are also sins in Catholicism that we very much avoid, um, except for alcohol. We're definitely allowed to do that in Catholicism. <laughs> um, in fact, we, we have a break towards the end of mass in which we do have wine and snacks. Um, but... That's it's so it's kind of that that idea that you know maybe if if I if I suffer through this and and I do everything by the rule book here then over there it won't be so bad. But there's something just... about the saints too, like the saints, like they would mm -hmm. suffer, and there was something just so it was like mm -hmm. superhero. Like there's um a statue, and I now that I read your book, I in the next time I go to my hometown. I want to go light a candle in the Catholic church. Cause I do, I've always loved going there. There has been always been something so magical mm -hmm. about it to me, but I'm thinking of the statue in the Catholic church in my hometown in California of St. Lucy. And she's yes. holding a platter with, with her, her eyeballs. eyeballs on it. <laughs> oh <my Yes>. God. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it's like that kind of like being around those stories that you're like, oh, I would, I would, what if I plucked out my eye, my eyeballs <laughs> right. and held them on a platter? Everyone would love me. Yes. <laughs> for Jesus. As long as I was for Jesus. <laughs> Right. But like reading, even just recently, I read, I reread St. Teresa of Lisieux's autobiography mm -hmm. and it is, she's just like, oh, and then I was sick and then I was suffering. And I mm -hmm. like, there's something so sacred to her and I could, I can feel it still. Not, not like when I was a little girl and I was like being a superhero, but I, there's something about it still that attracts me in a different way that I can't put my finger on yet. But it's like been part of what I've been fascinated with lately. Yeah, I think that that suffering really builds that strong connection with the other side. And I'm not mm -hmm. saying that, you know, anyone needs to go out there and like mutilate themselves. Or no, yeah, whatever, no, please but... don't pluck out your eyeballs. <laughs> Definitely don't pluck out listeners. your eyeballs. Um, <laughs> but just this sort of um, 
this this willingness to do what needs to be done in order yeah. to make that connection yeah. happen, I think is so important without being like, well, I don't like this or like that or whatever, like, like kind of being <laughs> petty about it, but it's just kind of being like, you know what, that's what you require of me. That is what I'm going to do. That kind of commitment to right. it, I think is, is the, I, I think that it, it really comes down to the actual commitment portion, less the actual suffering, but the willingness to go and do it um, yeah. in order to receive what we want. That is um, a good way to put it. It is like St. Teresa, it does seem like it's a, like a devote, like it's a devotion of love. Like it's a way of Mm -hmm. her feeling and expressing her love of Jesus. Yeah. And of course it doesn't always go straight to kind of Christianity either. I I had a friend, I, I probably, I won't say their name because I don't know if they want the story out there Mm -hmm. so much, but um, they told the story recently about um, being with their grandmother. And at one point her grandfather had gotten very, very sick. And so her grandmother gathered up all of their wedding china and took it to a river and asked that the river heal him and then put all of her wedding china into the river and let it go. And that was an enormous sacrifice because they were very, very poor. And that was like the most like beautiful thing that they had was their wedding china. And so she took it to a river and gave it up um and then her grandfather got better but it's this idea to sacrifice to really show that you are are willing to do something in order to make this happen instead of just being like you know give it to me yeah you know I shouldn't have to do anything you should just give it to me like I I wouldn't want to give any of the money that stuff like yeah and it's like I guess it's also like entering into this life because this life is mm-hmm. filled with suffering so mm-hmm. i feel like it's like yeah and and of course jesus on the cross like just surrendering <laughs> to that suffering like mm-hmm. that example but i just i feel like there and it, and that's probably why it's a mystery is that it's mm-hmm. it's sort of ineffable in a way but it is also so beautiful there's something beautiful about it and then there's also a lot of potential i think for neurosis but there's there's beauty too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all, right. all right we really okay sorry need to, no no it's okay i hate how short these all it just feels like i already want you to come back but yes. we do need to wrap it up so um where can everybody find you? Oh, and is there anything else that we missed maybe that you want people to know about the book? Just so it's chock full of so many spells and information. It's just it's really American brujeria. Brujeria. Yes, yes absolutely. Yes. Modern um, Mexican American folk magic. Yeah, I definitely wrote it um, with a couple of things in mind. First of all, I wanted it to be full of stuff. At first there was stuff where I was like, I'm not going to put this in there. I'm not going to put that Mm -hmm. in there. But really what I wanted it to be was a book that if someone wanted to buy one book and have it serve them for the, and carry them through the rest of their life, that it would do that. So I put everything into the book. You succeeded. You succeeded. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, that's one thing to keep in mind that, that this is from beginner to advanced is something that everyone will will find things in. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is, is that it, it is written specifically for people who are in between. So if you are half Mexican, mm-hmm. if you're a quarter Mexican, if you are some other version of Latinx, um, I have had Venezuelans and Peruvians tell me that they really, really connect with it and help them connect with their family and their culture as well. So it's not just for Mexican people. Um, and if you were sitting there like, you know, well, you know, I'm technically Mexican, but I wasn't raised in the culture. This book is for you. You don't have to speak Spanish. 
you don't have to, you know, have grown up in Mexico. This book is is for you. Definitely get it if you're thinking about getting it. I highly recommend. Yeah, um, me too. And if you're just interested in learning about the, the yeah, way that, that magic is conceptualized or worked with in um, in Mexican-American culture, it's yeah. fascinating. Education so, is so important. Yeah. So, so where can everybody find you? So the best place to find me, I, I've been saying this on podcasts for about years, but I mm -hmm. am having a, a website soon. <laughs> but for now, the best place to reach me um, is going to be Instagram. Um, okay. My handle is at Oregon Woodwitch on Instagram. Um, that's the best place to reach me, stay up to date. Um, you can work, work with me there. I offer a bunch of services from tarot readings to spell casting to um, uh, energy healing, all the things. I also offer um, spiritual coaching. So if you are nice. stuck somewhere or need help learning a new skill, you can book some time with me and I will teach you how to do things. So, and also you're just a really great person to follow on social media, just oh, really fun, <laughs> funny, and informative posts. <laughs> well, Try so to be informative. Again, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. We'll have to assume that was great because yeah. we still haven't done it in this time. I really do assume that it was. I can't wait to have assumed correctly. Yeah, to have more certainty on those assumptions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now it's time for the energy report. <laughs> All right, so the energy report is the energy trend that I'm feeling into for the week ahead, also colored with clients that I've seen, as well as what, you know, my own personal stuff and some astrology. You know, it's been just, con I got to say, it's like the same theme keeps continuing in terms of this uh, releasing old toxic relationships um oh, it's yeah. just really continuing um and even if like i'm just thinking about my own life like there isn't actually like a person that i've been dealing with but kind of like internally releasing the toxicity from my relationship with my mother that i've still found in my body um yeah that i'm like we talked about setting new boundaries for myself um so the I'm just like was thinking about like what angle can we can I take this week and I don't know if you remember last week you were talking about right people writing down their values as a way oh, yeah. of continuing and I what I was um thinking about this week it reminded me of our manifesting class when we did that how one of the things that we talked about was connecting to the core essences of what it is that we are wanting to create. Yeah. Um. So I'm thinking about doing that in terms of like the core essence of what you want to be living in this life, you know, especially if it's and seeing like, is that aligned with this relationship? And if it isn't really, again, doubling down on that quality, like, so for instance, I'll use myself. So one of them for me would be value, like valuing myself, valuing others, creating value in the world. And if I'm looking at like, um, this feeling of like, oh, I'm not good enough because I was holding that energy up from my mother in my space. It's like, oh no, that's not right. That doesn't feel good. So instead I'm going to 
bring out how can I value myself more? Where are, celebrate the areas that I am valuing myself more. You know, creating more of that. Even like, I just had this picture before I started talking about like, having a designated space to maybe celebrate yourself this week or to honor one of those values. Um, So like I could have like light a candle every morning in honor of myself and what I'm bringing into the world. And Mm. writing down these things are so important, especially if you are in a headspace like the question that we, the person that, the question we answered, um, Mm -hmm. where she was thinking, I'm seeing this a lot, by the way, lately, people obsessing a lot. Um, So when you write, it really gets you out of that. When you look down, you see like, you, you have written down ways that are counteracting that. So in this case, with the, to use the value thing again, as an example, like writing down, I can look at the sheet. Oh yeah. Like I, a few people reached out to me to tell me how much they value my work, you know, like seeing that in print, not just like, okay, people value my work. Okay. You know, but it's like, it hits you more when you look at it, you know? Yeah. And then let yourself receive that. That's what I've been lately. It's been so great. I've been setting that intention, like really like physically receive the compliments that you receive. And it feels so nourishing and it feels like such a kind of, just allowing the full circle to happen yeah, of yes, giving and receiving. Exactly. Um, but, oh, so because the other part of it is it's like everybody has different reasons why they are in uh, engaged in the toxic relationship. Like for one person, it might be that they or the codependent relationship, like they may feel like they're not good enough. Another person mm-hmm. might feel like they don't have the resources to be able to handle changing the situation you know it can it's just or like they're being a good person like this is me being a good person staying in this relationship even though I don't love it great yes that's a great example so you know really ultimately part one of this is doing some shadow work in that way like feeling into those feelings okay what am I feeling here what is the connection that's keeping me tied to this person or this situation um because People can't get in your space unless you agree to it on some level, unless or you aren't going to be triggered by something unless there's something within you that's saying like in agreement with it, like I don't have the resources, so therefore I feel tied to this or I have to be Mm -hmm. a good person. So, you know, like we just said, so I can't, you know, really give great. It's so specific to each person that it's hard for me to give an energy or like a tool for that. But just to look at that, feel into that. Where do I feel that in my body? What's the meaning here? And loving, bringing that into your heart. And then that other thing that I said, (laughs) like really seeing like, is this aligned with my values that I'm wanting to show into the world? And don't beat yourself up if it isn't. Just say like, okay, how, be curious. How can I align this with my values? One of your values is to have fun and like you're feeling really down all the time and you don't even know why. Okay, how can I love myself more so that I can create more fun? You know, it's just another example. Yep. So that's it. That was it. I love it. It's so that really inspired me with like the with uh, practical magic like what I had planned so let let me just do practical magic and I'll I'll incorporate the way I was inspired by let's just do it the energy report so now it's time for 
practical magic. Okay, so I was tuning in this week for us, uh, really with um, cleaning your house. <laughs> so cleaning and clearing clutter. Um, so this on in both hemispheres, we just entered a new season, magically speaking. So I was just talking to the members of the Good Vibe Tribe on Tuesday about how for the ancient Celts, there were only two seasons. There was just summer and winter. Ah. Did I talk about this last week? Mm-mm. Or was that just in the Good Vibe Tribe? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, there were there was just summer and winter. And summer began on May 1st and winter began on October 31st. So Samhain and um, Beltane. So in both hemispheres, we're entering either the dark half or the light half. Beltane means light bringer. Samhain means summer's end. And I was also thinking about it because where I live up in the Rockies, it is kind of like that. Like we have six months of winter. And then they end at May 1st, usually. (laughs) That's the last time it might snow. And then the first time it might snow is actually like could be at any point. But still, it does feel like six months of winter where I live. But anyway, that's beside the point. So we're entering into a new uh, season and it just feels right to, it often feels right to move with that energetically with your space. Mm, like yeah. to- Well, yeah, spring cleaning. Spring cleaning or fall cleaning. You know, fall cleaning feels right too. Yeah. So either hemisphere, just looking deeply at what is ner- and the the energy report inspired me because I feel like drawing those boundaries with like what are, what do I really value? Who do I really? How do I want to nourish myself and take care of myself? Because that I have really been tuning into that in my clutter clearing these last few days is the self care aspect of clutter clearing and cleaning where it's like mm. I'm gonna make my closet. It's like a gift to myself yeah. for my clothes to be like I've I've been ironing all my t-shirts and hanging them up, you know. Like t-shirts. I want to be able, yeah. It's like next level. I thought that was like a, it just felt right. I don't know. I don't normally do that when I'm clearing clutter, but I I wanted that feeling of like opening my closet and having yeah. all of the things that I'm choosing to keep, yeah. like look as beautiful as they possibly can look yeah. so that I can be like, oh yeah, this t-shirt instead of like, oh, this wrinkled old t-shirt. Like, oh yeah, I love this t-shirt. That's why it, I'm taking such good care of it. And then it's like really a way of loving yourself. Yeah. So keep in mind, I think all of the stuff that Natasha was talking about, you could even do that work, like getting clear on the boundaries that you want to set and the values that you want to Um, focus on and then with that in mind clean and clear clutter and the cleaning part can always be magic cleaning to me is always magical sometimes I don't feel super magical about it but it still is magical because you really are clearing the space you're really creating a different vibration in your home so I feel like it's spring and fall when we can tune into that a lot and it feels extra magical to clean because you're moving with that movement of the seasons like things looking different and you can tap into like is this still nourishing me does it do I still feel nourished by this color in this one spot in my house or would it feel more like me like more nourishing and more self-compassionate to myself for it to look differently so 
Um, conscious cleaning. You could also do space clearing. Mm-hmm. You could open your front door and give it a nice smudge or smoke cleanse, I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, you could cleanse with smoke or spray, like put a little bit of essential oil in a mister of spring water or rose water and mist the space just to cleanse the the energy. Mm-hmm. Just be careful of your pets if you work with essential oh, oils. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. Thanks. That's great. All right. Well, should we do some housekeeping before we pick a card? Yes, let's do that. Okay. Well, you can find me at highestlighthealing.com, and you can schedule a session with me or look, check out my classes, sign up for the waiting list for my inner child healing class. Um, I also have a meditation on there, and my newsletter, you get three meditations for free, um, or on Highest Light Healing on Instagram, or and or. You can do both. On Instagram or Facebook, Highest Light Healing. And you can find me at TessWhitehurst.com. That's where you can sign up for my newsletter and find lots and lots of spells and rituals and guided meditations for free. And you can find me on Facebook at Tess Whitehurst Author, on Instagram at Tess4444, on Twitter at Tess Whitehurst, and on YouTube at Tess Whitehurst. And you can find us at MagicMondayPodcast.com. That's where you can find the show notes, and that's where I put the links to the books that we mention. And anything that we mention, I try to put a link to it. If I forget, then send me an email and I'll put it up. But that's always at MagicMondayPodcast.com. And you can find us on Instagram at MagicMondayPodcast, on Facebook at MagicMondayPod, and also MagicMondayPodcast listeners. Okay. Oh, and you can sign up for a newsletter. That's where if you want to see the cards that we draw – each week, like the vi- the visuals of them, instead of just hearing about them, you can sign up for our newsletter at magicmondaypodcast.com or at the link in our Instagram bio. Okay. Well, I'm going to pick from The Crystal Spirits by Colette Brown-Reed. Oh. Okay. I am drawing from my very own Magic of Flowers Oracle. Okay. What did you pick? I picked Pansy, which is Contemplate. It appears that you could benefit from taking a step back and thinking things over before taking action. Or drawing this card could simply be an indication that your spirit desires some quiet time of contemplation, perhaps in the form of meditation, study, or a solitary walk or retreat. Whatever the circumstances and object of inquiry, this is certainly not a time to rush or to take impulsive action. So it's also about kind of just tuning in, taking some time. Maybe you want to tune in. I feel like this is a lot like the energy report. Like tune in. What do you need? What do you value? What's going to nourish you? I like it. How do you want to move forward in, you know, taking care of yourself? Um, I picked Spirit Quartz, which is one of your favorites, but yeah. it, um, it was upside down and it doesn't have the protection message thing that these usually have, but anyway. There's something wrong with the listing? Well, it just, there's no, 
upside down meaning. So maybe it oh, doesn't mean maybe it's anything. the same both ways. Yeah. It works both ways. <laughs> Did you just write that? No, I think that's something that I often I I think it's like an old um sitcom thing, but I don't oh. know. I just felt like saying it. Oh, just another <laughs> note about cards that show upside down. If you have any other in this deck, if a card shows upside down, it requires you to have a look at your resistance to the subject of the card. Okay. Oh, okay. That's what I often find is true with tarot in general. Okay. So this is essential meaning is connecting to community, universal love, harmony, and cooperation. We heal mm. in partnership, the strong lifting up the weak, taking turns, supporting each other. When this crystal spirit appears, the message is to reach out and connect to your community and discover the true power of your gifts through sharing them with others. Your willingness to put the highest good ahead of the wants of your small self is called for now. Reciprocity does not mean keeping... Uh, keeping a ledger but instead feeling the power of offering kind words and acknowledgments you have the power to change the lives of others and awaken them to the abundance and love available from the conscious universe who works through us all today even the smallest outreach will make a big difference this crystal's message is to remember your co-creative powers and open up to receiving the gifts you hope for so how are we in resistance to that do you think how are we I don't I know. Mean it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe this week we may feel like maybe this week I wonder if we'll feel like kind of going within and maybe Well, it is yeah, like with the pansy. I mean, with oh, yeah. uh, how, I mean it is again, interestingly, like the energy report of like look deeply at relationship patterns. Yes, yes. To heal them. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, I'll, yeah, that's true. Look deeply at them. And maybe there'll be some resistance to even looking at that, to looking at yourself with other people or in community. Or or maybe mm -hmm. it's also a little bit about not wanting to put yourself out there. I'm kind of getting that feeling. Mm, like wanting yeah. to just like stay within. And, you mm -hmm. know, and you can let yourself do that a little bit. But then maybe the messages you'll feel better if you can give yourself compassion and then go out reach out yeah allow yourself to be seen yeah like last week yeah. that was the theme last week all right everybody have a great week thanks for listening just so don't care about yeah, anything we don't give a shit <laughs>